I've had more mail about last week's episode than anything else I've recorded. If you didn't catch it, go back now and listen to Tristan Reese Part 1 and then come back for Part 2. Hi there, I'm Tracy, and this is the Essential Stepmom Podcast, your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet. Nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe. And you can get more of me at EssentialStepMom.com. When we last left you, Tristan was giving us a peek into his life as a dad and as a parent raising someone else's kids. And as I always feel when I listen to him talk about his experience, he was shining a light on some serious dust bunnies from the unexplored corners of my own stepmom heart. Let's pick up where we left off. Yeah, and I see these like super high functioning, you know, multi-part family, blended families where they're like, oh, and we all have Christmas together, like all the exes and all the steps and the whatever. And I'm just like, oh, am I broken that I can't do that? Yeah. (laughs) Guys, am I broken? Um, Or even having empathy and understanding for other, you know, for the other family. It's just like, it's just so, so, so hard for me to do because I just want to vilify them and, you know, yeah, of my course. instinct is to vilify them. And, me um, too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. But um, that's the, that's the side kind of, I really feel like this, um, this situation, this life situation, this calling, whatever you want to say about it, um, to be involved in raising someone else's mm-hmm. children is really, uh, um, it's a call to personal growth in a way that nothing else could be. Because it's so important, you have to do it. Um, you just have to do yeah. it. And I think at yeah. this moment, there are so many, just tens of millions of, of people all over the world in a similar situation. Like this podcast is being heard in 58 countries. How is that possible? Mm. You know, there are people all in every corner of the world who relate to this situation enough to want to tune in and listen. And um, it's not a, you know, it's not a social situation that's restricted to Western countries or developing countries or any hemisphere, you know, people or rich people or any of it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, what I really appreciate is that, you know, obviously my situation is different because we're not talking about raising my, a kid with my partner's ex, you know, and the thing that I really admire and appreciate is, is that my partner has never allowed me or anyone else to vilify his sister. Mm. And I think, you know, that's something that is a really important dynamic to look for when you are raising somebody else's kids is your, you know, what you want is for your partner to not get into that dynamic where they're like, Oh yeah, my ex is crazy. Yeah. That's like a huge red flag. 
And what I have always appreciated is that, you know, my partner is like, I can understand that you have frustration, that you don't understand, um, that you have anger um, towards my sister and the way that, you know, that played out and the way that she was able to show up for kids or not. Um, and it's actually not helpful for our relationship with her or for our kids yeah. or for you and I, for you to get into this narrative that she's a bad person, you know, she failed them, uh, she was a bad mom, like none of that is healthy or useful. What is healthy and useful is she wasn't able to give them what they needed. And so they came to live with us and we were able to give them what, yeah. what they need. And like, that's as far as it needs to go. And so that's one way that I really appreciate that he's never tried to pit us against her. He's never allowed me to get into that cycle. And that's something that I think is one of the really healthy things that he modeled that I have been trying to do, at least on the outside. Oh, that's um, so great. Where I'm, you know, I'm just not able to get into that. You know, we just don't get into that. That really toxic dynamic. And I think similarly, you know, if it was an ex, he would probably do the same. He would say, listen, this is a person that I loved very dearly for a very long time. And even though it didn't work out for us as a couple, um, what's going to continue to work out for us is that we're going to stay connected on those things that we loved about each other. Um, yeah. And where there are differences in how we raise our kids, like we are going to be collaborative and figuring out what are we going to commit to moving forward. And I think that's the real spirit that is not as rare. <laughs> oh, that's so great. That's so great. And I mean, so often there's a, a really, really uh, confrontational uh, there's dynamic. Break. And yeah. um, people can't find a way to uh, let go of their, you know, of their hurt or their anger or whatever. And they continue to uh, peck at each other or to, you know, like I said, it's, it's hard to conceive that your, your part has been written out of the show and nobody wants to lose their part in a show that feels like it's ongoing, you know? So it's really triggering on both sides. And um, yeah. And I can imagine that it would be very hard to hold your partner through that, you know, especially if it's a heterosexual couple, like, you know, straight men are just not taught how to hold nuanced emotions and feelings. <laughs> I often, the joke that I make with my kids is in, did you watch the Harry Potter movies or did you read the Harry Potter books? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's like the scene where Cho Chang uh, kisses Harry and then like is crying and leaves and Hermione is trying to help the boys understand and Hermione's like oh you know she is you know interested in Harry but she feels really guilty about that because she still misses her ex and she's not sure exactly like how do you honor the memory of someone while also honoring your own ability to like move forward in life and the boys heads just like explode and they're like there's no way that anyone can hold all of those feelings that's always the example I use in, in thinking about like how men are taught to approach feelings, like yeah. men are like, no, 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 hurt, angry, sad, that's it, <laughs> you know? And, and so I can only imagine how hard it would be to be a, you know, a second partner to be able to help coach a straight man through, like, I get it. Like you're hurt, you know, you're angry, you're frustrated. Maybe there was infidelity. Now she's with someone else. Like men don't know how to hold all that shit. They weren't taught. Uh, so I'd like to believe now being through what I've, going through what I've gone through, 
being now at the age that I'm at, that if the dynamic was had shifted, if things were different, you know, that I I would be able to do what my partner did for me, which is to really say like, look, I understand that you have feelings of anger, hurt, animosity towards your ex, and that's not going to serve us moving forward. And so what do you need in order to let those pieces go so that we can be a functional family? You know, do you need therapy? I will make sure that you get it. I'm not your therapist. I'm, it's not appropriate for to put me in that role. Um, but here are the behavioral things I need from you. I can't, you know, you as a partner, you can't legislate your partner's feelings their beliefs you just you just can't you can't say like don't hate your ex you can't do that um you can encourage them to get the support they need to release those unhealthy emotions um but what you can do is you can legislate their behavior you know you can say and here's what i will allow in my house here's what i will allow in this relationship you know i i will not allow you to say negative things about your ex in front of me in front of the kids it's toxic it's not useful um, make, it's making things worse. <laughs> you know, you, you can say, and, you know, you need to go to therapy. I can help you find someone. I'm not your therapist. That's not my job. And you need to let some of this go because I have no interest in vilifying or hating your ex. That's not helpful or healthy. What we need to do is find a way to proceed in a healthy way. Um, so, you know, luckily I married someone who is extremely emotionally intelligent and who taught me those things and who treated me that way. And so now that, that would be how I would approach it if things were different. <laughs> yeah. Lucky you. Lucky you. I'm, it's also, it's like lucky, but also, you know, I chose him and I haven't let him go. Yeah. So it was also hard work. You know, it's also like choosing really well. Um, and then continuing to be the kind of person that he wants to be with every day. Um, you know, I just thought of something, you know, relating to what we talked about before, which is that it's so easy to enjoy hearing smack about the ex because that makes me feel better about myself. Like, I'm not her. I would never do those things. I'm way better than that. You know, it, it, um, it boosts you up to hear that stuff, but it's not good for your heart. <laughs> it's not good energy. No, You're totally it's not, right. It's not, it's not good. Um, and I think to be able to name that for yourself and to say, oh, even though this feels good in a bad way, that doesn't mean that it's right. And it's actually not right. My relationship with you should not be reaffirmed by you hating on someone that you used to be with. In fact, the opposite <laughs> yeah. because if someone is willing to treat someone they were romantically involved with before that way how do you know that they're not also capable of treating you that way right and in the queer community that's very common if someone says talks bad about their ex that's a red flag for us if you're friends with your ex that's a good sign you know that's a sign that you are like a healthy advanced person also we can't afford to not be friends with our exes because then we wouldn't have any friends <laughs> so some of my that's favorite so friends are like this is going to visit his ex in la and sing at his house i'm like yeah mm. well you know my straight friends will be like well aren't you worried about that i'm like why should i be worried about that a like most gay men, like at some point, date their way through their friends list. That's fine. <laughs> and if if I have any insecurity or doubt about a relationship, we'll talk about that separate from this. But if I don't trust him to go and stay at his ex's house and not what 
sleep with his ex. And like, this is not a good relationship. And that's a different conversation. So, you know, we have different oh. ways of thinking about that. But the scorched earth that. policy on the exes, as you've said, like, it's just, it feels good in a bad way. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to evolve beyond that point. And we have to, you know, just tell our partners, you know, that's not appropriate. Can we, can we try to see from her perspective why she thinks three hours of screen time instead of one is a good idea? Like, why might she believe that? Let's, you know, talk to her as if she's an advanced human being. <laughs> Get her perspective. See if we can understand it. See if we can share hours in a way that she, too, can understand. And is there, is there a room for compromise? Are we willing to be wrong? You know, that's like, and I go into any disagreement with, with Biff being like, and, you know, am I willing to be wrong? And what's more important, being right or being in relationship? Oh, absolutely. For me, I think being in relationship every time. Every time. Oh, no, I, I agree. Even though it's hard. You, you can be right or you can be happy. Um, and we get so attached to being right that we're willing to kind of cut off your nose to spite your face or whatever they say, right? Yeah, or the, like... What a, whatever having the perfect be the enemy of the good or you know whatever yeah. yeah 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 and we are in a way we are lucky lucky I guess I put in quotation marks in that you know our, our kids first family um, is not able to be in their lives um, and so in a way that does just make things a little bit easier in that we are the full-time parents you know we do make all the decisions yeah. and we don't have to compromise on that um, yeah. but at the but at the same time it's really damaging for kids to not have any relationship with their first family it is um yeah and they should only do it of course if it's going to be healthy and that's not an option in our situation but um but yeah if you just imagine sometimes maybe sometimes i certainly would fantasize like you know that they would just disappear or something and then i'd remember that's actually not good for the kids exactly i actually don't want to be a great parent only because there's no other parents around i want to be a great parent even with other parents around yeah so, that's that's yeah. so nice well what's your advice I mean when how do you deal with that that feeling of insecurity or you know when the kids are like well why can't I you know have a deeper relationship or or visit them or you know I just want this other person oh to help yeah me right I now. think you like, you how, have how to you deal with it you have to hold space for the for that relationship you have to and you have to honor uh in as many ways as you can think of the, the, the person who is missing, you know, there have to be pictures around. Um, they mm -hmm. have to be, um, you know, communicating in whatever way, writing letters or making pictures or sending gifts, you know, you have to be open to hearing them talk about the other person. And so often, um, uh, so often it's a point of, of insecurity for a stepmom, it could be for me too, to hear, uh, you know, my, I mean, my stepkids are a lot older, they're 20 and 22 now. So I, I'm not, I'm not going through this. And it, it, as it happens, it wasn't an issue for me because I'm a mother. I am a biological mother. I think a lot of mm. women who are not biological mothers um, don't understand that all mothers feel insecure about their parenting when you're not one you think it's just you but uh, you know every mother is looking to other mothers and saying oh how does she do it i i wish i could do it like that you know she oh man i wish i could be a mother like that so um somehow there's a, a feeling of 
of not being good enough that's associated with hearing like, oh, my mom makes the best grilled cheese sandwiches or whatever. You feel like it's about you. It's not. It's, a, it's the way of a child to say, I miss my mom right now. I'm thinking about her. And when, yeah. if you can turn it around like that to say, this is, what, this is what this child needs right now is to validate their feelings about their mother and to say, um, I would love to try your mom's grilled cheese sandwiches sometime, you know? <laughs> if they're the best ones, yeah. or maybe she can show me how to do it. Cause I would love to make better grilled cheese sandwiches, but it's not, you know, it's not about, about your shortcomings. It's about the child telling you in an oblique way that they're having these important feelings right now that, that totally need to be validated. Um, and yes, holding space even for, or even, or especially for a parent who's passed away, right. That I often mm. talk to, clients about those kind of things about how to hold space in your home to to really um honor the deceased parent and honor the honor the kids feelings that are never ever going to go away that's going to be with them forever yeah and then what do you do with the internal stuff because i feel like i've got the external stuff pretty good you know in, in terms of like oh i i, I totally hear you sweetheart you want to write a letter to her right now you know, I really wish that was possible. I can't wait until you're a little older and then we, we can go and visit her. You can meet her. I think I do a good job on the outside. It's on the inside where I'm like, oh, God, this is, you know, But why? that's all your, I don't know, but that's all your, your self-care stuff. And you're, again, you're seeing a counselor, a therapist working through with somebody who can help you to, to work through those feelings. I work a lot with, um, I mean, I'm a meditator, so that's been a big part of my life in terms of yeah. getting grounded. And um, I work a lot with gratitude journaling. That's been an incredibly, incredibly mm. amazing thing for just getting out of any kind of negative space. It just, gratitude is, I think, the highest vibration emotion. And when you can regularly practice the feeling of gratitude, not just going through the motions, but you know, to really feel the feeling of gratitude, it just, it just lifts you out of whatever negative space you're in, you know, the kind of negative self thoughts or whatever that spiral is. Um, everybody needs something a little different. And sometimes it's just the change of mindset about not letting it be about you when a child speaks about their absent parent don't let it be about you it's not about you don't be available for your inner uh you know inner mean girl to beat up on you about something that's not about you um, the bad wolf and you know with uh with my 12 year old we talk a lot about the good wolf and the bad wolf and which one wins the one you feed so i think yeah, yeah you just sort of have to starve the bad wolf when it starts to show yeah, up you're like absolutely mm -hmm. No, thanks. Not Absolutely. <laughs> that, and that's the, the meditation piece is what brings awareness of those feelings that you're more likely to notice when you're having those kind of thoughts. Because once you get on the train and leave, you know, that you wake up three stations down the road and you've lost half an hour, an hour of your life kind of stewing about something that was meaningless. So it's noticing when you're having those kind of bad feelings to be able to say, I don't need to feed that. I don't need to get on that train. That's just me doing that thing again. Um, I can choose not to get on that hamster wheel 
um, I can I can stay away from that. Um, that so that like learning the reflex of awareness is something that came to me from meditating, and I'm I'm sure that there are other ways to do it too. Um, I I use other techniques like uh, brain gym exercises, like um, EFT. I do a lot of tapping for myself. With do you know about EFT? Do you do that stuff at all? I yeah. do. Yeah. So I mean, I know I, about it. I don't, I have, I'm not a practitioner okay. or anything, but I do know about it. Yeah. It that's been something really quite uh, remarkable that I've used in my own practice because I'm a natural health practitioner. So I I do it with live clients in my office, and and I've made a few videos for the ladies in my Facebook group of, you know, specific kind of things about anxiety or anger, you know, working through them. And I get people to say, you know, give me a number now from one to 10, how intense the feeling is right now that you're having, and then we're going to do this exercise together. And then, you know, and, you know, people have said, well, I'm at about an eight. And then we do the thing, they say, holy cow, like that's a two or a three. Now, they're really effective, quick, easy exercises that you can learn to to take down those feelings and ground yourself and kind of get back into reality and say, okay, now I can deal with this now. Um, I, I think it's amazing that we have these platforms where we can be sharing these things and you don't have to stumble onto somebody in your town who, who's a practitioner, you know, we can, we can share those techniques now over the magical interweb. I know it's, what a time to be alive, right? It is. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. this has been just incredible. Like, I, I think probably everybody listening wants to sign their husbands up or themselves and get coached because you're fantastic at this. You're just, you're just a bright light. I'm really happy to meet you. Well, I appreciate that. I actually, while we have been on this call... Um, got an email from my literary agent saying that we got approval to release the um, the cover to like reveal the cover of my book. Um, and so officially now, um, people can pre-order my book on parenting. Woohoo! Um, I know. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been talking about it too much, um, but. Um, yeah, so on, it's through Workman Press, which is one of the sort of like big five publishing companies, and you can order it on IndieBound, Powell's, the, the Amazon, which I know not a lot of people are into right now, which is fine, yeah. so pretty much, you know, everywhere. Yeah, we've, we've um, got the cover release. What's it called? It's called How We Do Family. Awesome. And it's the story of how we became a family. Oh, I can't and, uh, wait. It, it, are, are, you know, nobody watching well, but here's the mock-up. I'll just Very show it nice. to you so you can see. Yeah, so that's pretty exciting. Oh, so, I yeah, can't no, wait. That's, that's my, I guess, I guess that's my big plug is to go and please pre-order. You bet. Book. You bet. I'm going to put the link for that in the show notes. How We Do Family. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I can send you the link once it's Absolutely. So I think Absolutely. we're supposed to announce and on Friday. So, and um, where else can people find you? Um, well, my partner's name is Biff. And so online, our family is Biff and I, um, B-I-F-F-A-N-D-I on social, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, yeah, my diversity, equity, inclusion. I, have a, I run a firm and I do this 
work for a living, um, including my gentle nudges to you about um, getting out of the theoretical and into the first person, yeah, um, so which great. you keep doing. And so it's just a little practice for you. It's like, how do I not say, you know, you do this, but instead to, to really name it and claim it, um, I do this. That's so um, great. Yeah. And so I do that through collaborate consulting. Mostly I do organizational work. So mostly I do trainings, consulting, diversity audits. Um, but, uh, but I do some one-on-one work, one-on-one work as well. So yeah, this has been great. a delight. Thank you so much. This is amazing. Thank you very, very much for being here. And I'm going to put all your links in the show notes. I wish that I were so open-hearted and open-minded that I could have told my husband I didn't want to hear him tell me what was going on with his kid's mom. What I can say is that I often found myself kind of sticking up for my stepson's right to not hear that stuff from his dad. It would usually start off with my stepson complaining about his mom in some way, and then dad would just agree with him, but then it would kind of devolve into dad having a go himself and unburdening himself of some negative feelings about her. More than once, I had to interrupt and say, you can't say that stuff to him. You're talking about his mother. He didn't divorce her. He's her son forever. He's allowed to be mad at her, but he's not your buddy in crime about this. You talk to me about that stuff, not to him. I know that sounds pretty bossy, right? (laughs) My husband would probably agree with you. The truth is, I was pretty lucky that he didn't talk to me too much about his ex. In fact, he kind of shielded me for years from some of the things she was saying about me to the kids. He just didn't pass along what they were saying, what they heard from her, and thank goodness for that. I mean, what good would that have done? What would I have done with that information? Be upset? And then what? At least he was smart enough to let me stay in charge of growing a high-vibe environment in our home and not to just throw me off my game with a lot of negativity that would only make my job harder. I really do relate to how hard it must have been for Tristan to allow his kids to spend time in a home where, as far as he was concerned, they were being emotionally abused. I felt beside myself a lot of the time for years about the very same thing. And feeling very much on the outside because, let's face it, none of it was actually any of my business. They're not my kids. I wasn't even married to my husband back then. He tried, and I helped him to try, working through the legal system, with the medical system, and even the child protection agency to try to make things better for his kids there. And none of that was even the least tiny bit helpful. I know there were some times that he actually felt hopeless. Um, I'm probably too optimistic by nature to, to say that I stayed there very long, but I know that hopeless is a shitty place to be. I finally realized that I was wasting so much effort trying to get someone else to help us when what really worked for us in the end was just to focus on what we could do for ourselves to help us get through it the way it was. We stopped trying to change things at the other home and got to work on expanding what we could offer from our own home to help the kids transcend the difficulties they were having at their mom's house. 
Over the years, I've been collecting tools and techniques for helping kids in this kind of predicament, where they're having to spend a lot of time alone with a parent who isn't able to separate their own anger and heartbreak from their job as a parent. It's not a condemnation. If they could do it, they'd be doing it. But this is the reality a lot of children are living with. It seems like 80% of the children of divorced or separated parents are experiencing some degree of parental alienation, anywhere from subtle cues to emotional blackmail or even brainwashing to destroy the natural bond between the other parent and their child. How can we help these kids if we can't count on the legal system or the child protection agencies to do it? I've developed a webinar, especially to address this topic. I call it Child-Friendly Tools for Coping with a Toxic Parent. I'll be demonstrating a bunch of proven science-based techniques for reducing stress, staying calm, getting back into a positive mindset, releasing anxiety, and for feeling connected to a parent they love but can't have contact with. I'll also share how to use essential oils for immediate relief from emotional distress, as well as how to send a piece of your own home back with them when they have to leave you. This webinar takes place Thursday, November 19th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can register right from my website. Go to EssentialStepMom.com and you'll see the link right there. This webinar is not free. It's a paid offering because it's actually a part of my six-month coaching program called Undeletable Dad that I mentioned in the last episode. The cost of this webinar is $97, which is less than the price of a single session of therapy when you think about it. And once again, you're not relying on someone else to help your own child. You get to learn how to help them yourself. If you can't make it on Thursday evening, or if you're listening to this podcast after Thursday has come and gone, not to worry. When you enroll, you get lifetime access to the video replay and a PDF transcript so you can quickly look up the tips that I share without having to watch the whole thing again. Thanks for listening today. And to show my appreciation to you for being such a faithful listener, here's another way to attend the webinar. You can win a free ticket to child-friendly tools for coping with a toxic parent. All you have to do is find this podcast in Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a review, an honest one. You don't have to butter me up or anything. Then take a screenshot and send it to me at info at essentialstepmom.com. I'll enter you in a draw for a free admission to the webinar. And of course, you can invite your spouse to watch along with you. So just go to iTunes and leave a short review. Take a screenshot and send it to me and you'll be entered. Registration for Undeletable Dad Academy, my comprehensive program for addressing parental alienation, is about to close. But I encourage you to get on the wait list for the next round, which is going to start in the new year. Once again, if you're interested, shoot me a message at info at essentialstepmom.com for more information or to add your name to the program waitlist. Thanks for listening from nearby or 
any of the other 67 lands I'm told you're listening from. See you next week.